Welcome to this episode of WikiWalks, a short podcast devoted to some of the more intriguing and, huh, who knew, articles that you can run across in the weird world of Wikipedia. I'm your host, Chris Grismer. In these pandemic times, it's not that uncommon to pass through a neighborhood during the evening hours and see people gathering, with appropriate six-foot distances, of course, in lawn chairs outside their homes. Some people just love their lawn chairs. But no one has had more adventure in theirs than Lawn Chair Larry. You see, on July 2, 1982, Delta and TWA airline pilots were stunned as they began their descents in LAX and radioed in a UFO. They claimed, to a mystified control tower, that the unidentified object appeared to be a man seated in an aluminum lawn chair with a pistol in his hand cruising along at 16,000 feet. And they were absolutely correct. The UFO was 33-year-old Larry Walters, fulfilling a childhood dream which ultimately took his life, but not in the way one may initially think. When he went up into the clouds and heard engines of planes and he couldn't see them and they couldn't see him, he went, oh my goodness, the lawn chair riding pilot's fiancé later told a reporter. It was the understatement of 1982, nay, possibly the decade. Resident of North Hollywood, California, 33-year-old Larry was just about as average a blue-collar, hard-working American as anyone. He was employed as a truck driver for a television commercial production company and in his spare time enjoyed the company of his fiancée, Carol Van Dusen. He especially enjoyed a lawn chair he bought from Sears Roebuck that he found exceptionally comfortable for relaxing and watching jets and passenger planes fly overhead on warm summer evenings. Larry claimed that since he was 13 years old in the early 1960s, he had dreamed of ascending into the clear blue yonder in a balloon. In 1967, Larry joined the Air Force and went to Vietnam for the express reason to fly a plane. But military doctors shot down his childhood aspirations by finding his eyesight was simply too poor for piloting. But bad eyesight was not going to stop Larry from shaking the surly bonds of Earth. In March 1982, he began buying the equipment and supplies he would need to accomplish his goal, including 42 weather balloons, helium tanks, a parachute, a BB gun for shooting out balloons to descend, water jugs, an altimeter, and a CB radio. He estimated he spent somewhere between three and $4,000 at an Army-Navy surplus store. Although he spent days and days planning and preparing his chair for his journey, keeping journals and notes, he apparently did not research enough of how much helium would actually be required to lift him just over the housetops. He claimed he planned to drift lazily to a height of about 30 feet above the backyard where he would enjoy a few hours of flight out over the Mojave Desert before popping some balloons and drifting back down. As E.T. warmed our hearts in the theaters that summer, Lawn Chair Larry was about to stimulate our imaginations the way Spielberg and his syrupy little puppet could never do. July 1st, Larry traveled to his fiancée's home and inflated the 42 balloons with helium arranging them with nylon cables in six tiers, rising almost 180 feet high. Then, on the morning of July 2nd, as the space shuttle Columbia completed a nearly flawless flight, Larry donned a parachute, strapped himself into his chair, dubbed Inspiration One, and fastened via a guy wire to his Jeep, he secured his CB radio, altimeter, camera, and a sandwich 
as well as a two-liter bottle of Coke, and a hearty farewell to Carol, he ordered his friends to release the guy wire. But neither the launch or the ascent went as planned. The wire broke, prematurely, of course, and propelled by 42 balloons filled with 33 cubic feet of helium each, Larry did not float languidly over the rooftops, no. He instead lurched off the ground as if fired from a slingshot and continued to catapult upward until, according to his altimeter, he was over three miles off the ground. <laughs> so much for 30 feet. He radioed down to Carol, who begged him to come back to Earth, but after reaching such dizzying heights, he didn't dare shoot out any of the balloons, fearing that he may unbalance the load and dump himself out of his chair. Which, let's be honest, that's a, that's a valid concern. So he clenched the armrest like grim death, and sailed cold and anxious with his coke and sandwich for almost an hour. He radioed his friends on the ground to let them know he was still alive, despite enduring air temperature of about 5 degrees Fahrenheit. Then, a bad situation grew worse. It dawned on him, as his feet and hands grew numb from the frigid temperatures, that he was not drifting east towards the Mojave, as he had expected, but no, west towards the Pacific Ocean. He called in a mayday on his radio to an emergency aviation response team and gave them the bizarre details of his flight. Entering the primary approach corridor of LAX, and with the awful reality of eventually ditching in the ice-cold and turbulent Pacific looming, Larry got up his nerve, pointed his BB gun up, and fired. One balloon popped, then two, and nothing happened. His concern started to turn to panic. Larry shot out seven more balloons before he accidentally fumbled and dropped his BB gun somewhere over Orange County. Thankfully, before he dropped the gun, however, he had shot out just enough balloons to start a fast ascent, augmented by his 30 water-filled gallon jugs. Now, of course, his new fear was the mass of power lines he was flying directly towards, because, of course, why wouldn't he at this point? And after receiving a frantic 911 call from one of Larry's ground crew and seeing that Larry was fast approaching, the police had the power company kill the electricity in the area, leaving blocks of homes and businesses with no power. Then, as if by a miracle, Larry's almost certainly crippling landing was arrested by his craft entangling in dead high voltage lines, ending his 21-mile flight a mere five feet off the ground. He was swarmed by admiring neighbors and children who helped him out of his chair. He was, of course, immediately arrested and later expressed two main regrets. One, that he gave away his beloved lawn chair to those neighborhood children, and that he reported he was so amazed by the view he neglected to take a single photograph. Police were quoted as saying, We know he broke some part of the Federal Aviation Act, and as soon as we decide which part it is, a charge will be fired. Heck, if he had a pilot's license, we'd suspend that. But he doesn't. On December 18th, though, the FAA made good on their threat and levied four charges and over $4,000 in fines against Larry. Those charges included operating a civil aircraft for which there is not currently in effect an airworthiness certificate and operating an aircraft within an airport traffic area without establishing and maintaining two-way communications with the control tower. Larry vowed to challenge the charges, proclaiming that if the FAA was around when the Wright brothers were testing their aircraft, they never would have been able to make their first flight at Kitty Hawk. Yeah, makes a good point. They eventually settled for a $1,500 fine, which Larry paid. The Smithsonian Institution asked him to donate his lawn chair to the National Air and Space Museum, but he had to sheepishly admit that he had given it away. 
He also had autographed and given away pieces of the deflated balloons. In the months that followed the flight, he catapulted to fame and was the toast of the town. His journey was covered on NBC News. He guested with Johnny Carson on The Tonight Show and was flown in New York to be on The Late Night Show with David Letterman, which he later said was the most fun he had ever had. But all good things must come to an end. And eventually, his celebrity petered out, and the endorsement deals, including one for Timex, the watch he wore during the flight, takes a lickin', keeps on tickin', and Sears, which made his lawn chair, ran dry. Larry fell on hard times and retreated to a small studio apartment and rarely ventured out. He never did get married to Carol, although they remained good friends for years. Eventually, the forever-changed Larry, a modern-day Icarus, whose wax wings melted when too close to the sun, wandered into the Angeles National Forest and ended his own life, this time firmly planted on the ground. A sad and tragic end to a man who dared to soar to new heights and allowed his adventurous spirit to ask not, why sit when you could fly, but rather, why not do both? <laughs> <laughs> 